Join me in a look at the Word of God in the book of Galatians today, and we'll be, be in, uh, we'll be in uh, chapter 1 as we look at the book of Galatians, and uh, I read the Scripture, and then we'll have our time of offering today. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. There is a theme that runs throughout the book of Galatians. And that theme is, what does it really mean to be a Christian? How does one become a Christian? How does one know that they're Christians? How does it all take place? What is a real Christian? You could ask that in the public and get a lot of different answers, but we want to look at what the Word of God has to say about the subject of what a Christian is. Through all of church history, there have been problems that have, been, that have dealt with this question. Now, the problem have, problems have come because of, of confusion about relationship between grace and law. And that confusion still goes on. We have a lot of different denominations in the Christian faith, and it's over that, those very questions and issues of what is the relationship of grace and the law. There have basically been three eras that have been proclaimed down through the church age, and I'm going to share them with you in a nutshell, and of course you'll identify what some other denominations may believe, and you can listen as I try to share. Number one, there are some who say that salvation is a matter of the law without any consideration of grace. That you've got to change. You've got to behave. You've got to make sure that you fulfill the law in crossing all your T's and dotting all your I's. You've got to live in such a way. That simply means that you are saved by doing this, doing that, dotting your I's, crossing your T's, as I said, participating in this ordinance, participating in the sacraments, for instance, keeping these rules and regulations. So if you do enough and behave like you ought to for long enough, and that you follow the rules as a part of your everyday life, then finally, God becomes indebted to you. That word is not used, but that's what's implied. That God becomes indebted to you to give you salvation 
to give you everlasting life because you've been good enough. You've tried to keep the law. You've tried to do the right thing. you tried to love your neighbors yourself. You've, you've tried to be a good person, and that gives you salvation. Number two is a big contrast of that, but it also is wrong. But there's an extreme that says salvation is a matter of grace and the law has no issue in that matter. The Apostle Paul addresses that in the third chapter of the book of Galatians when he says that the law is our schoolmaster, our teacher, our tutor that brings us to repentance that we would trust in God as we would find out the law teaches us that we can't keep the law. You can't live a perfect life. You can't do everything right. It is the nature of mankind to sin, to make mistakes, to not live according to the law, and because of that, they can't fulfill that. They're not real sure what brings a person to salvation when the law has nothing to do with it. They just think there's a certain prayer. If you'll just pray this prayer, if you'll say this prayer, repeat it after me, then you are saved, you're a Christian. Now, Baptists come close to making that mistake a lot of times because we talk about the sinner's prayer, and I do understand the importance of the sinner's prayer. And every person that I've ever led to faith in Christ, I've had them to pray that sinner's prayer because I believe it is significant, it is biblical, that we confess our sins, that we acknowledge we're outside of God in need of his forgiveness, that we acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who who died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again, and through trusting in his finished work, we can have salvation and have eternal life and be right with the holy God. I agree with that prayer, but just that prayer alone, without a relationship with God, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, is a misuse of the understanding of grace, and it's a misapplication because they say it's just easy as believing without any ongoing evidence in the life of the individual. And then there are some who say that, well, then the only thing left is a mixture of the two. It is law and grace mixed together. Well, that's wrong too. It's not because of that and because people who use that mentally, they say, let me try it again. Uh, They say that had the mentality. They say, well, you're saved by grace, but you keep yourself saved by obeying the law. You get in by grace, but then you have to keep yourself in by doing all the do's and not doing all the don'ts. Now, those are the three basic errors that we find in denominations throughout the Christian church today. Folks, some thinking it's all about the law, being good enough. 
Others saying it's all about grace without the law, where the Scripture is very clear that the law is to guide us and to teach us and bring us to the point of repentance and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to follow the will of God as we become a part of the family of God. So, those three basic eras have been taught throughout the church history regarding salvation. And here we sit over 2,000 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, after the start of the church, and we look after look, looking at the book of Galatians, and it's been written, many people still wonder the same thing even today. You cannot study, you cannot read the book of Galatians and take it to heart as the Word of God and any one of those three eras be a part of what you think it takes to be a child of God, uh, to be saved, to be a Christian. If it's not of the law without grace, and it's not of grace without the law, and it's not a mixture of both of them, the grace and the law, what is it that brings a person to salvation. And that's exactly what the book of Galatians is all about as Paul writes this letter to the churches throughout Galatia. The book of Galatians teaches us that salvation is a matter, are you ready? Is a matter of a personal relationship with Jesus. A matter of receiving him as Lord and Savior of your life, inviting him to take charge of your life, and submitting yourself to his will in your life. At that moment, when you begin that personal relationship with Jesus, and you commit your life to him, you're given the person of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and brings all of these things to your remembrance and helps you to grow in the Christian life and become more of what God wants you to be. There are partic two particular problems that had written, arisen excuse me, in the churches throughout Galatia. Now, Galatia is not a town, it's a region, and there were many churches in that region. And, and Paul is addressing all of them because the same problem had arisen in all of those churches, and they were being led astray by the Judaizers that were trying to teach what you had to do to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ. They professed to be Christians and tried to lead other people to be Christians and to follow after them. And the whole premises is what it means to be a Christian is wrong according to their philosophy. They were saying, first of all, for a Jew to become a Christian meant that he would have to trust Jesus. But after that Jew trusted Jesus, he had to continue to keep the holy days, continue to keep the feast, continue to do all of the things of Judaism. So it was a mixture of grace and the law, a mixture of receiving Christ and then doing what they had always done as Jews. And for the non-Jew to be saved, they had to become Jews first. 
They had to practice the law. They had to practice the, the, the feast and all of the things of the Old Testament and then trust Jesus and they could be saved. They were saying that's the only way to do it. And, and they went on to teach that the, the Gentiles becoming that way could become Christians and the Jews could become Christians. But it was all a mixture of Judaism or the law and a mixture of grace belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm amazed that over 2,000 years later, and even in the church that teaches and preaches the truth, even in the churches that stand on salvation by faith through grace, that it's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm amazed at the number of people who are still trying to flesh out what Paul was writing the church at Galatia about and the problems that had, had just erupted there and, and were causing such division and problems. And, and Paul is livid about it. He, he can't believe they're being led astray. These are churches he started. These were people he had led to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of this was infiltrating their lives and in their their times of fellowship and he is livid over it listen to what that he says in those, those first verses that i read a few minutes ago he says he identifies who he is paul an apostle of the lord jesus christ not of men but in jesus christ and god the father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who were with me he says, I write this to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are some saying that was just a familiar uh, way of opening and writing a letter. It was a greeting, grace and peace, grace and peace. Well, it wasn't for Apostle Paul. Grace and peace was everything to him. And notice that as you read the Scripture, and you can check me out if you want to, You'll never find peace and grace in that order anywhere in the Word of God. It is always grace and peace. When the Apostle Paul sends it in the salutation of his letter, it is grace and peace. When he uses it in the benediction of a letter, it is grace and peace because there's no way to know peace without first experiencing God's grace and to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. These verses are called the salutation or the introduction to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians talks about our freedoms in Christ. Beloved, Christianity is not a set of rules. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It is a relationship with Jesus. It is knowing him personally. You see, the measure of a Christian faith is not determined by if we go to this place or go to that place or don't do this and don't do that. The measure of our faith, <coughs> excuse me, is our walk with Jesus Christ in a personal and loving relationship. Let's just stop there a minute. A personal and loving relationship. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Do you talk with him? Do you listen to his word and let him speak to your heart and guide you? 
Do you find joy in studying the Word of God and reading the, the truths of God's Word? Do you find joy in that? Do you, do you experience His grace in your life as you try to walk with Him and, and love Him? Or is your life filled with trying to do the do's and don't do the don'ts? Is your life filled with trying to figure out where you are and, and, and what you need to change and instead of just living with and for Jesus, trusting him every day, fellowshipping with him every day, growing in your, your love relationship with him every day. You see, salvation is a person. It is a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, you're to get in the Word? Absolutely. You're to obey the Word? Without question. But you see, salvation in itself is in that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Judaizers have said, Jesus, excuse me, Jews trust Jesus and then observe the law. Gentiles had to become Jews and then trust Jesus, but have to observe the law. Their greatest opponent to all of this teaching was the Apostle Paul. And in order to make themselves look good and look credible, they had to discredit him. And to make themselves look good and make believers out of what the believers from what they were saying they had to bring accusations against the apostle paul and they attacked paul on two different fronts first of all they attacked him in his right to preach they attacked his apostolic authority they said you had to spend time with jesus and paul didn't spend time with jesus they said and uh you had to be called by Jesus. Well, Jesus had those who were disciples that were not apostles. There were only 12 apostles, but there were a lot of disciples that followed him and were part of his earthly ministry. We call them the 12 disciples, but they're, they're the apostles. Of course, one of them had to be replaced, Judas, because of his fall and, and turning against Jesus and not following through. He, he was an imposter. They said he wasn't fit to be an apostle because he had never spent time with Jesus. But I remind you that Paul never went to meet with Peter until, first of all, he spent three years with Jesus. Three years communing with Jesus. Three years fellowshipping with Jesus. Three years of knowing his will for Paul's life. Paul had been with Jesus. He also saw Jesus. He was on the road to Damascus. You know, before Paul became a Christian, he was a persecutor of the church. His name was Saul. He was from Tarsus. And he was on the way to Damascus in order to persecute the church that he literally hated and was arresting them, dragging them to prison, and many of them were being put to death. And the Apostle Paul was in charge of that. 
well-educated, had a doctorate above doctors, educated by the one, the spiritual giant of his day. And they said, no, doesn't matter what he says and where he's been and what he studied. He can't be an apostle because he's never been with Jesus, three years with Jesus. He's never seen Jesus. And Paul says, oh, yeah, I saw Jesus. I was born out of due season. I saw Jesus. I was on the road to Damascus, and he, he spoke to me. He appeared to me, and he told me that he was persecuting. I was persecuting him, and I was persecuting his church. He says, I, I know Jesus. I've seen him. I've met him. I've been with him. I've fellowship with him. And then secondly, they attack the message that Paul was preaching and that he deals with that in the book of Galatians throughout the rest of the book. And he's very strong in what he teaches. Notice the readers of the letter. He says, until the, unto the churches at Galatia. But notice something very absent. What does Paul usually say? Paul usually says, unto the saints of God, or so-and-so, or to the beloved brethren at, at this particular place. But he didn't say that here. He didn't say anything about those who are in Christ Jesus. There's not one word of affection. Paul is in a state of dismay and disparity and anger. That the church that he himself, had, the churches he had started throughout Galatia, those were the ones he was writing the letter. And he was beside himself. He later calls them foolish Galatians in this letter who have been placed under a spell, he said. You're not even who you say you are. You, you don't even know what you're doing. You're under a spell of those Judaizers. You're, you're following them, and he's discouraged. He's writing to them in despair and even desperation. Paul, the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the churches of Galatia. And then he gives a greeting to them. He says, grace and peace grace and peace and as I said a minute ago grace always follows peace it's always grace and peace because you can never know peace until you experience God's grace You've got to experience the grace of God in your life. And when you repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you experience his grace, and then you receive his peace. Think back with me for a moment. Do you remember when you trusted Jesus as your Savior? You remember how your heart was troubled? You remember how your body shook, perhaps? You remember the emotions of that moment when you realized your, 
your need of a Savior, your need to turn to him and that you were a sinner and lost and hell-bound, and the grace of God arrested your attention and you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and confessed him as your Lord and Savior and you started a relationship with him. Do you remember how that was? And when you repent of your sins and, and put your faith in Jesus as Christ and Lord and Savior, you experience his grace and then you receive his peace. Paul says several things here about Jesus. He says, first of all, in verse 4, that Jesus is the one who gave himself for our sins. Beloved, you and I will have no opportunity to go to heaven because of any deed we've ever done. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't be good enough to go to heaven because of any money we've ever given. You can give your whole bank account to the church giving it to the Lord without having first come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I will go to heaven only because Jesus has washed away our sins. He has forgiven us, and it's accomplished through his death on the cross, the shedding of his blood, the giving of of himself. Paul says it here. He first says in four, verse 4 that Jesus is the one who gave himself for our sins. That's the question. Do you know him? Do you know him as the one who gave himself for your sins? Do you acknowledge that you're in need of the gift that he's given of himself on the cross? The one who gave himself he says a second thing about Jesus. He says that he might deliver us from this present evil world. You see, not only is Jesus the one who washed away my sins, Jesus is the one who has delivered, delivered me from the evil of this world. He gives us deliverance. Isn't that good news? He only, not only washes away our past, but he gives us deliverance from the hole that is on us. Jesus is the one who's delivered us from this present evil world. The word deliver means to pluck out or snatch out, to lift up. Jesus Christ came to me. He came to you when you were sinking deep in sin. And he lifted me, as the song says, by his goodness and by his grace. Now... This word deliver is one of the main themes of the book of Galatians. Paul says this to those of you who have been delivered by Jesus Christ. Delivered by Jesus Christ. I guess that's the question for us today. Have you been delivered? Have you been redeemed? Do you know him in a personal way? And then Paul says, thirdly, 
that Jesus has done what he has done according to the will of God the Father. According to the will of God the Father. Jesus never was in contradiction to the will of the Father. Every word he spoke, every place he went, every deed he did, everything that ever happened in the life and the ministry of Jesus was done in the perfect will of the Father. He was raised from the dead in the will of the Father. He ascended to heaven in the will of the Father. He does his present ministry in our lives in the will of the Father. He will rule and reign forever in the will of the Father. Beloved, everything he did, said, or has done since and will do is in the will of the Father. Paul is very clear about that. And then one last thing. In verse 5, he says, To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now you'd think Paul would be through. He said amen. But he hadn't even gotten started yet. And I could shake you up and say that you think I'm through because I said amen. And I almost am, okay? But then he says amen. This Jesus this Jesus who washed away our sin, this Jesus who has delivered us from the present world, this Jesus who did everything he ever did in the will of the Father, he says this Jesus is worthy of our praise. Paul says, to him be glory and honor. How do you praise the Lord? Sometimes we sing, we praise the Lord by singing. Sometimes we praise the Lord by shouting. Sometimes we praise the Lord by clapping. We've had some shouting today. I've heard it stand several times with an amen. I've heard others. We've had some singing. We sang good while ago. Didn't we sound good, Brother Tommy? I'm glad you got to hear us standing up here. We, we, we sang some hymns in praising him. We did some clapping. Son-in-law Keith, you did a great job in writing that song. Thank you, that lamentation. Thank you. Choir, thank you for doing a beautiful job. Brother Tommy, thank you. We have, we have worshiped in this place today, sometimes by saying amen, sometimes by singing. If you didn't sing, shame on you. You ought to sing, and sometimes by clapping. But let me tell you something. All the time, it ought to be by living, living with and for Jesus, living with him every day, trusting him every day, walking with him every day, and letting him lead your life. The chorus 
of yesteryear said, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Is every day in your life sweeter because of Jesus? It ought to be. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. Not because of what you're accomplishing, but what he's doing in your life every day with Jesus. Paul said, salvation is about a relationship, a relationship with Jesus. It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not about a little prayer that you say and that makes you all right with God. I wonder how many folks really think God's impressed with that little prayer that's not coming from the heart. Not at all. Walking in love with Jesus. Paul says it's about Jesus. He's the one who gives us forgiveness, gives us life. And it's in him that we serve. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the great time of worship today. Thank you for the privilege to be in this place. And we thank you for the Apostle Paul and that you used this man who was actually persecuting the church, trying to stamp it out. And Lord, you met him on the road and changed his life, his demeanor. He even changed his name because he didn't want to be known as old Saul anymore. He didn't want to be named after that former Saul. He changed his name to Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to change our names, not what people know us by with our given name, but what they know us by with the relationship we have with you. May it be true in our lives that every day with you is better than the day before. Every, every day of growing in your grace makes us more of what you want us to be, and the joy becomes more and more full in our lives. May we learn to live that way. And may we take the stand with the Apostle Paul that salvation isn't anything mixed with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about knowing you and trusting you. Lord, thank you. If there's one in this room today, one watching through Facebook that has never come to that life-changing experience of meeting you personally as Lord and Savior, may this be the hour that they invite you into their life and heart and confess you openly that you are indeed the Lord and Savior of their life and change them from the inside out and give them abundant life in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.